Did I grab the wrong mic? Because this one sounds very strange to me. You want me to get a different one? I'll go for brown if you want. Let's go brown. This is better? Isn't that better? I, I have magnetic personality, and it's just wiping these microphones out. Hallelujah. Uh, you know, we, we have the three chairs, okay? That, and that chair complacency, it, it always leads to conflict. And, you know, there's just so many moments in life when, uh, we, we, when we slide into this thing where we, we act like it doesn't matter. You know, well, it doesn't matter if I'm in the Word every day. Well, wait a minute. Down the road, when your life is really getting hammered, it's going to matter. Hello, somebody. You know, and, and, to, and to know God's Word and, and to be able to stand on it and, and, to, and to put, you know, your, your confidence in the Word of God and to not be uh, double-minded. You know, James said a double-minded man, he's unstable in every area of his life. And, and uh, you know, to, to just get out of that chair before it's too late. Because if you stay in that chair too long, the longer you stay in complacency, the harder it is to get out. You know, uh, when we were talking about first chair fitness, you, you might, you, you, you have, you know, sitting in this room, we get all jacked up and pumped up and we're going to, we're going to go exercise and then Monday morning comes and I'll do it on Tuesday. And, and you know, and complacency, the longer you stay there, the more difficult it is to move. And you want, you want to make that move right away because there, there's going to come a season in your life when, when uh, the, and the Bible t- tells us about it, but common sense tells us that, you know what, if you live in Tri-City, sooner or later, the wind is going to blow, right? And you, you can't call up your friends on the west side and tell them how miserable it is here. The wind is blowing. Well, duh, you live in Tri-Cities. The wind's going to blow. In this world, there's going to be tribulation. In life, life has byproducts, and not all of them are all that fun. You know, the Bible says that in this world, there's going to be tribulation. But you can be of good cheer. I've already overcome it. But you've got to be in Christ, staying in Christ, and knowing God's word so that you can be positioned to win or succeed regardless of the situation. So you got to get out of that chair of complacency. A couple of weeks ago, we started talking about first chair finances and that God wants to get you and walk you out of debt. The Bible says that the rich rules over the poor and the borrower is servant to the lender. Well, if we made a commitment that as for me and my house, we're going to serve God and serve God alone, then we've got to realize that in order for that to happen, God would love to just walk us out of debt. So we're serving him and not the lender. Right. So God wants to get you out of debt. Well, there's some steps that you got to take and you got to work at it. You can't be complacent. You can't say, well, we'll get to that later, because what happens is later shows up and you're not prepared for it. And, you know, and you've been used to living in debt. What debt does is debt reaches into your future and pulls it back into your present so that when you actually get into your future, all you have is a past. And the enemy loves to use debt to put you in a position so that you can't afford to obey God. God will speak to you and tell you, this is what I want you to do. And you'll say, I can't afford that. But God, you know, no eye hath seen, no ear hath heard, neither has it entered the heart of any man, the things which God hath prepared for those who love him. Prepared, made ready in advance. It could be that when you get that little bump in the income or you get that little bonus on the side or, you, you, you know, some, some kind of, uh, uh, of action generates, a, you know, a little bit more uh, financial moment for you. It could be that God's setting you up for your future. And that you don't necessarily have to burn through it right here in the nasty here and now. 
So you want to be like Jesus, right? Right there's a good spot to say amen. We're making CDs. Come on, guys. You want to be like Jesus, right? There we go. Okay. Well, Jesus saves. So you should save too. Amen? Amen. And, but, if you, but if you don't, if you don't move out of the chair complacency, you know, you keep telling yourself, it's not a big deal. It's not going to make a difference. It doesn't matter. Well, then when it does matter, it's too late. And we move out of that chair of complacency and we get up here and we, you know, and we find ourselves in the chair of compromise. And that's where, man, one day we're doing good and the next day we're struggling. Don't get under condemnation. Uh, even, Paul even said, you know, the very things that I set out to do, I find myself not doing. And the things that I say I don't want to do, those are the things I find myself doing. Well, it's a struggle with duplicity, and, it's, it, and, and there's, a, there's just a process you have to work through so that you actually get in control of your life and, and that you, you take dominion and authority. And don't, don't, don't even worry about it. You know, on the day that you strap on your running shoes and you head to the gym, you get in the parking lot and you can't make it in the building, well, at least you made it to the parking lot, right? And get out and walk around the car a couple of times. Do something and just build the routine. Get the routine going because it won't be long till after you have the routine that you'll be able to, to, to build on that. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. You know, so just you know, work it out and keep moving and don't get under condemnation. Just realize you're going to focus on the end because God declares the end at the beginning. That's what he said in Isaiah, right? God declares the end at the beginning. And Proverbs says that what man does is he focuses on the way and the end ends up messed up. So don't focus on the way. Don't get, you know, well, this is the way I think it should happen. It seems to me that, no, that's going to mess you up. Focus on the end and let God direct the way. And get in the habit of letting God direct your steps. Get in the habit of talking to God. Come on, somebody. Get in the habit of listening to Jesus. And, 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 and you know, really, there's three basic ways. There's a bunch of them, but there's three basic ways that God speaks to people, you know, and different ways that people hear God. And, and you know, for some people, they just hear God. You know, I, uh, I, I go out and, and get alone and pray and, and get in the Word and, and find answers, and God just speaks to me. I'm not talking about an audible voice, but I just, I can, I'm telling you, man, there have been seasons in my life where I've just heard God, and I knew that I heard Him, and I had Scripture that was in me burning, and I heard Him. That Some people, you know, it's more visual. They see things, and, 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 and in their spirit, they just see the way that they should go, right? They just see it, and God's speaking to them by what they see. Other people, they just feel it. They can just say, well, I, you know, I just felt like this is how we should move, and this was the direction, and, and, and it seals it. Make sure that you're including God in the decision-making process of your life. Because uh, what's going to open the door to the miraculous in your life is obedience. But you can't obey God if you haven't heard God. Maybe that's why so many of us don't spend time getting to a place where we can recognize His voice. Because we think then we're going to be accountable. You already are. See, if you're not, if you're not including him in, in your decisions, you've got to realize, ooh, man, I'm, I'm third chair right now. Because I'm acting like it don't matter. Well, wait a minute. We fasted and prayed and said, God, show us a right way for us. A right way for our kids, our next generation. A right way for our substance, everything that you've put in our possession. Show us the right way. And God has a right way for you. Well, you know what that means? That there's some wrong ways then. Well, you don't want to live wrong, do you? But I like wrong. 
you know, uh, I think I think some of us, we, you know, we think we're going to miss out. We think we're going to lose something. That something's going to be taken from us, and we're not going to have near as much fun if we do it God's way. We won't be near as blessed if we do it God's way. And, and all that is is the enemy sowing seeds of, of doubt and, and, and uh, you know, unbelief into your heart that you can't trust him. But today I'm here to tell you that if you trust God, your life will be better by far than if you live a life separated from him. Amen. So go after his way. Amen. Go after his way. Let's get in the word here for a minute. John chapter 2. We're going to read verse 1 through 11. Great story. Most of us have heard it. We know this story. But just check it out. There's just some cool stuff here. It says, on the third day, uh, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now, both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Jesus said to her, woman, that, uh, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. And his mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Now, there were set there six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. And when the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, he didn't know where it had come from, but the servants who had drawn out the water knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom. He said to him, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine, and when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior, you have kept the good until now. This beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. I'm telling you, there's, there's some great stuff in this story right here. And uh, I just want us to look at it. But this little background, a lot, a lot of uh, Bible scholars believe that the bridegroom here is John. And John often writes of himself in the third person. And, uh, and they think it's important because that's why Jesus and Mary and everybody else is there is because it's John's wedding. Because Mary, uh, according to the theologians, uh, was Salome's sister. Salome is John's mother. And so we got a big family thing going on here. And, and, uh, and these days, it's important that you see it was the third day. The third day, what they, you know, when they got married, they didn't get on an airplane and fly off to Hawaii for 10 days for a long time. You know, uh, they, they had seven days of feasts and celebration. And all the family and friends came. And, uh, and it was just like a big old honking family reunion celebrating the union of this couple. And uh, uh, these guys, it was the third day. It's the third day and of a seven-day reception, and they're already out of wine. And Jesus' mother, Mary, comes up to him, and I think she does. I think this is a real mother move. Okay? You know, I just think this is a mom moment. She walks up to Jesus, and she says, they're out of wine. You hear me? Jesus, listen, they're out of wine. And he says, what does your concern have to do with me? My time has not yet come. And see, she pulled the mom card right here. Because she, 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 doesn't, she doesn't respond to him at all. She looks at the servants and says, whatever he says to do, do it. And she did one of these. Can't you see your mom doing that to you? You're now on the spot. 
And I know what we're thinking. Well, this is his first miracle. Well, that word miracle is or sign. This was his first sign. Studied that word this week, and it literally means uh, a sign is, is, is an action that's performed. It's a miraculous action that's performed to show uh, what's coming in the future. It doesn't necessarily mean that it was the very first miracle that he had ever done. It was just the first sign that was going to point to a future event. And I think this one's kind of cool because, you know, think about it. This miracle, this first sign that Jesus did, he did not perform a miracle like raising somebody from the dead. His very first miraculous deed with, with intention was to save a family from embarrassment. And see, I, 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 why is that important? Well, because sometimes I think we think that our life, uh, you know, I, I've had people come to me and, you know, they're just getting kind of started in their Jesus walk. And they come, they say, well, you know, I, I, we, we need to pray about some stuff, but we know how busy God is. And we know that our, uh, you know, this probably isn't real important to it. Can I just tell you something today that God cares about your life? The big stuff, the little stuff, the in-between stuff. God loves you and God cares. And here he is, he's at this wedding, and, and, and Mary is putting him on the spot. And I think there's a reason because, well, she's raised him. And i got to tell you something, I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but when you're raising Jesus, I bet some pretty interesting stuff happened up in the house. You know, can't you, can't you see him like at a family reunion? At a family reunion, and everybody's together, and, and, and Mary calling Jesus over, and she calls him over, she says, Son, just get down in the water and swim like the rest of the kids. You know, don't, don't be walking on the water all the time. Quit showing off. Get down in there and swim. Or, 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 or uh, a time when he's, uh, you know, uh, he's in his bedroom and she hollers out to him because a, a, a chariot was speeding by in front of the house and ran over Skippy the dog. And she probably came out to Jesus and she said, Jesus, Skippy, Skippy got hit by a chariot. And he said, what does that have to do with me? My time has not yet come. And she said, well, look, look at your brother. Look at him. He's out in the middle of the street. He's heartbroken. Look at your sister. Look, at, you can't leave him like that. Jesus, Skippy's dead. Fine. He walks outside. Move aside. Let me see Skippy. Oh, look, he's just asleep. Because that's what Jesus did when he raised dead people. Oh, look, they're just sleeping. Or, or, what, or maybe a time when uh, uh, he's studying for a test tomorrow and she calls from the kitchen and says, hey, I need you to run to the store. I, I need some stuff for dinner tonight. And he says, well, I can't go right now. I'm studying for a test tomorrow. And she says, wait, I, I need this for dinner tonight. Oh, mom, look in the cupboard again. You know, I just I just bet I just bet it was pretty wild hanging out with Jesus. And, and she's, got, she's got stuff on him because she knows that he knows he's supposed to honor his mama. So she just looks at him and says, you know, hmm, just whatever he says to do, do it. And she puts him right on the spot. And we get this crazy miracle. And it's awesome. So Jesus is there and he's given instructions. And we learn some things about obedience in this passage that I think can really help us. And the first thing, number one, is that obedience is measurable. Okay? Write that down. Obedience is measurable. Notice they filled the water pots to the brim. They received back the amount of wine equal to the level of obedience that they put into their action. 
if they hadn't filled it to the brim, they wouldn't be full of wine. You know, and guys, that's, that's biblical. Matthew 7, Mark 4, both of them say the same measure you use will be used back to you. Obedience is measurable. Think about it. When you, when you ask your kid to go to the room and clean it, if they spend three minutes or 30 minutes, can't you tell a difference? Right? If you, if you tell your son to study, you can tell if he put very much study into that or not enough. Why? Because you get the report back. And the deal is, is that obedience is measurable. You can tell what level of obedience we're at. I love this story. Zig Ziglar shared a story. And he's gone to be with the Lord now. But Zig Ziglar, when he was a boy, he brought home a report card that upset his mother quite a bit. He had four or five F's and one D. And she brought him into the room and set him down in a chair. And she said, you need to explain this report card to me and do it now. And he said, well, it's obvious to me. I spent way too much time focusing on that one subject. And, uh, you know, uh, obedience is measurable. And, and the deal is, is uh, you know, you think about uh, instruction. Go back two weeks and get the CD from two weeks ago. But, uh, you know, there, there's one strong instruction biblically when it comes to our finances that that we're just going to have to grapple with and it's tithe and i know that some of you are thinking well all you want is our money so today i just uh, this might be your last weekend with us because i i need you to understand something that we're not coming to, to you to get your money but if you think that already you should be at another church if you if you think if you can't trust us you ought to go but before you go i want to tell you something when you get to your next church, get plugged in and tithe. Okay? Be a tither. Why? Well, because God's given us instruction, and we need to walk in obedience. You want to open the door to, to the, the miraculous power of God operating in your life. And, if we, and in the realm of finances, you already have instruction. You don't have to pray about obeying what God's already said to do. You just need to obey. And if, if and let's talk about your your well, I give three percent. We're not up to ten percent yet. Okay, listen. Again, where you're struggling, where you are, what you're dealing with, don't get under condemnation. Just keep moving towards first year. But just let me let me show you something. That biblically, the Bible says uh, again. Uh, it, it, you know, I gave you a couple of references. The same measure you use, that's what will be measured back to you. So God's word teaches and, and it gives us instruction but i got to tell you something whether you honor god's word or not god honors his word right god honors his word so if you're given three percent that would be like 30 percent of the tithe right which leaves 70 percent of disobedience so if god can respond to you because he's a responder ask it shall be given. Seek, you shall find. Knock, it shall be opened. God's a responder. So when you begin to move, he responds to your, to your obedience. Here he comes. Okay, now here's the deal. Is if, if you're doing 3%, you got 30% of the tithe. So it's just leave 70% of what God can't respond to. And you're trying to figure out why God isn't coming through. Well, he might be, but it's just at 30%. Because he honors his word. Hello, somebody. Well, we can't afford to do this. Get some help. Get it figured out. Uh, I'm just, I'm just, I'm telling you, God honors his word and your obedience is measurable. And there's a reason why it's important to know that because we, you know what? I want all that God has for your life. 
I'm telling you, we want you to walk in supernatural blessing and to experience an outpouring of heaven that's just going to blow your little mind. Okay? And we want you to have victory in Jesus, but I don't want you to get 30% freedom. We, we want 100% for your life. And again, if you really believe that all we want is your money, we're going to invite you. Go someplace you trust them, but tithe. Be a tither. And get in there and, do, and position yourself to watch what God can do in your life. Because the second point about obedience that we find out here, and this one's awesome, is that obedience is exciting. Hello, somebody. Obedience is exciting. Uh, you know what I love about this story is that these, it tells us right in, the, right, right in the passage, it says that these pots were used for ceremonial washing. And here's Jesus. I mean, can't you just picture it? His mom just puts him on the spot. His mom just said, okay, whatever he says to do, do it. And she walks off, and he goes, okay, you going to play that game? It, these pots aren't there. This ceremonial washing has nothing to do with the law. It's just dead religion. It's a religious symbol that they've stacked up there to look cool. And so at the beginning of the day, we have this dead religion symbol. And at the end of the day, those pots were parte central. Fill them up. Fill them up. Can you imagine how exciting that got when those guys filled the water pots up? They dipped out wine. They took it to the, to the head of the feast, and he's stinking excited because this stuff is awesome. And those guys, think about, the, think about what's going on in the head of the dude that just put water in there. You know, I'm telling you, it's exciting. I said it's exciting when you walk in obedience to God. It's amazing. It'll blow your mind what he can do. I remember when Shelby and I first got married, 29, little over 20, no, it'd be 29 years in August. So almost 29 years ago. Uh, and, and we were just all pumped up and excited about the future that God had for us. And, and we were positioned, you know, with, with great financial security. We had done our budget. We had $30 a month left over. So we're going to make it. And, uh, and, and I can remember praying and, and we prayed together and God, you know, what's the first step of obedience in this realm that you're going to lead us into? And, and, uh, uh you know, we agreed before we got married, we're always going to tithe. And now, now let's pray and hear God. And, and God spoke and he said, I, I, he wanted us to give $30 a month to, to a missionary friend of ours. And, and we went, I'm, I, well, I don't know about Shelby was just ready to write. She probably already wrote the check. I thought I should go pray again. I went and prayed again. God said, I want you to support the missionary. I want you to give him $30 a month. And I prayed again. It took me a while. It's $30 a month. We're going to have nothing, God. We're going to have nothing. I remember the day Shelby took the check to the mailbox. Our, our house, we lived right on the river. We had 980 feet of river frontage. The driveway took off and it went around a little little turn up the hill. Right at the top of the hill was the mailbox, and there, there was a room uh, upstairs that you could stand in, a family room, and you could look out the window at the mailbox. I stood there for hours with looking at that flag up, praying that God was going to send me up there to get it back out because he just tested me or something, you know, like Abraham. And, and when, when the mail truck came by and picked it up, I remember weeping and gnashing of teeth, driving off with my $30. And I remember walking up to the mailbox to see if we got anything because maybe Ed McMahon had been, you know, he delivered. or You know, was just, you know we need a miracle now because we're broke. And I got to the mailbox, and there was a new bill that we had never 
anticipated because Shelby got married. The school loan had been called in, so now we're having to pay for her college bill. And it was $30 a month or something like that. And I'm like, wait a minute. And I remember we prayed again, and God said, here's what I want you to do. Right just in the back of your Bible, just start now. And I just want you to start writing down the blessings that come to you unexpected. And i got to tell you something. The, the, the back of the Bible filled up with financial blessings as we just continued to walk in obedience. We never, never lacked. There were a few moments it was scary because I did a lot of stupid stuff when it came to money. But, there, but God always came through. We, we, we know of a man in uh, Dallas, Texas, who uh, was out in his backyard one day and just praying, and he had a business, and, and he was just thanking God for, uh, you know, this coming year and the stuff that was going to happen and, and uh, talking to God. And God spoke to him, and, and he said, this is what I would like you to do. He said, you know, you're a tither, but I, I want to get you above and beyond that, and I want to take you to places that you have you just never even dreamed of before, and I want to do things in your life, so I need your help, and will you help me? Yes, God, will I do anything you want me to do. And he said, okay, I want you to give $50,000 to your church over the next three years. And he said, you want me to what? He said, yeah, I want you to give $50,000 to your church above and beyond your tithe over the next three years. He said he was just sitting there in that lawn chair, been praying, talking to God, and he was looking up at the sky, and he was watching the airplane fly over. And God said, you don't expect it to fall out of the sky, do you? Go in the house, get out your budget, figure out how you're going to obey me. So he got up, and he went in the house, got on the computer, opened up his budget, started figuring out how they were going to do this over three years, 50000 divided by 36, and, and he saw that there were some things there he's going to have to take out of the budget, and we're not going to be able to do that, and we're not going to be able to do this, and he got it all figured out, and they went to work on it. And, and, and at the end of that three years, he was, he was celebrating because he had given the last check, that $50,000. He was realizing and, and thanking God that everything he'd taken out of his budget had been added back in. His business had been blessed. They hadn't missed anything, no lack. And, and incredible doors of, that have just opened up of opportunity. And the business was just booming. And it was just God. And he was sitting in the same chair at the same house thanking God. For, for coming through like that and for teaching him to obey. And the doorbell rang. And he got up and he went to the door. And there was a guy standing there. And he said, hello, sir, my name is so-and-so. And I'm from DFW Air, Airport. And we had done a study years ago about flight patterns. And, and we were just revisiting that study. And we just learned that we had accidentally left your house out of the study. And by law, if you're inside the flight zone pattern, we are supposed to pay for that. So we had neglected to pay you, and they handed him a check, and he opened it up $50,000. That's a true story. Check this out, though. Check this out. He went out in the backyard. He's just thanking God. Oh, my God, this is so amazing. And he looks up at the sky again, and God says, I can drop it out of the sky if I want to. I'm telling you that when you walk in obedience... When you walk in obedience, don't freak out. We're not taking a second offering, but listen to me. When you walk in obedience to God, that's what, that's what I'm asking you to do today is to trust God and just be, get God involved. You know, you want to break through in your finances. Well, the first thing you got to do is get God involved in them and don't limit him Man, obey him. Talk to him and listen and obey. Obey him, and it'll be exciting. Somebody say amen. amen. See, you, you know what's crazy is that, uh, uh, and, and this is the third thing, no, point three, is that obedience is the key to your heart's desire. Obedience to God is the key to your heart's desire. Again, 
This first miracle wasn't about raising somebody from the dead. It was keeping a family from being embarrassed. It was to, to position them to have the, you know, the desire of their heart as they met together as families and, and celebrated marriage. It was, it was, it was about their desire. It's amazing how the enemy twists the mindsets of people. Well, you know, that's just all about you. You you don't want to get selfish. Don't get greedy. There's not a miracle in the book that didn't benefit people. God would love to set you up for a miracle. But it's going to require obedience. See, the devil will tell you, well, don't pray for that because that would be kind of selfish. The devil wants you to think think that God God doesn't want you, uh, you you praying for that or that God doesn't care about the stuff you pray for. But he does. God does care. He wants to bless you. He wants to prosper you. He wants to increase you. Have you read this book? He wants you to remember where the wealth comes from. But we got it on the wall. God's plan is to prosper you. But you got to trust him. I said you got to trust him. And that trust is manifested as you obey him. Um. Devil say, well, you know, you better hold something back, because you know you, you you got these things coming up, and you, you're going to want that, and you're going to want this vacation. You, you you'd like to have a bigger house, so you you need a you, you're going to want that, so you you better hold back because you know if if you don't take care of you, I, how about this scripture, Luke twelve thirty two. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Look at it in the message. Don't be afraid of missing out. You're my dearest friends. The Father wants to give you the very kingdom itself. It's something you might actually want to write down. Is that God will actually bless you more than you can bless you. You got to understand, God wants you blessed more than you want to be blessed. Now, I promise you, I promise you that if you just obey him, he will bless you if you'll just obey him check this out psalms 37 4 you know this verse but think about it delight yourself in the lord he will give you the desires and secret petitions of your heart the desires of your heart and i know what we say we kind of get all nervous here well yeah, but, you, you know, what if the guy's heart is not in the will of God? Well, if you delight yourself in the Lord, what, you know what he's going to do? He's going to fix your heart. And if the desires of your heart are ungodly, get born again again. Hello, somebody. I mean, don't let the, don't let the enemy convince you that you're some evil thing walking on the face of the earth and that any second God's going to zap you with a bowl of lightning, fry you out. And the reason he's taking you out is because you decided to drive a Corvette or something. That's crazy. Now, I'm not telling you that, it, it, well, I can just want anything then and God will get it. No, God's going to grow you. God's going to strengthen you. God's going to mature you. But you don't have to be afraid of the desires of your heart. You want to you raise your family in a decent home in a safe neighborhood? That's not a crazy out-of-bound desire. God will give you the desires of your heart. 
You know, and I, I just got to tell you something, that if, if there's three or four shootings a week on, in, on your street in front of your house, I think you'd be praying about moving. And I don't think God would be against it. I don't think God's against you being blessed. He said, I'll give you the desires of your heart. He didn't say, I'll give you the desires of my heart for you, and you'll learn to like it. That's something that I said to my boys. I'll tell you what you're going to get, and you're going to like it. And if you don't like it, I'll give you a reason to cry. But that's not God. God wants you blessed. God want, God, God's going to take good care of you. God, God's going to position you to win and succeed in every given situation. And I think God will just go nuts crazy on you if you just start walking in obedience. See, because here's the key. is that the Obedience is the door, the key. The obedience is the key. The key to your miracle. It's kind of hard to get off track with God if you're walking in obedience to him at the same time. Now, I've started off wanting some crazy stuff. But as I walk in obedience, he's led me out of that. And I find my, I find my life lining up with his will. Hello? And, and you don't have to worry about, you, you, well, you're going to mess up God's plan. No, no, no. You're going to line up with God's plan. Because you're going to walk in obedience. Now, I, I just need you to understand something. That, that God loves you. I mean, God loves you. You, you know, this, this is a little sidetrack here. I got a couple of minutes, okay? Just, I only have a couple, and then we're done. But check this out. John. Read the book of John. You know, you know what's crazy about this book and, and about John? It used to really bother me that John wrote in the third person. And, and the disciple whom Jesus loved was there. It was him. I'm thinking, yeah, you know, it's kind of like, uh, who was it, Moses? That, uh, Moses is the most humble man on the face of the earth. You know who wrote that? Moses. Okay, and I'm thinking, well, I could have wrote that. You know. and, and John, he's always writing about himself in the third person. And, but, uh, and, and it really bothered me a, a little bit because, you know, he, he set himself up. But, but you know what it is? Is that John finally had a revelation he, he wasn't saying he loves me more than these other guys. He just finally had a revelation. He loves me. I think it just shocked him to have this understanding. He loves me. I want you to have that revelation. I want you to know that God loves you. He's not trying to hurt you. He's trying to help you. He's not trying to put you down. He's trying to lift you up. You know, he, he, he's for you. He's not against you. You know, another thing I love about John, and his, you know, he wrote this book, and he wrote uh, Revelation, and, and uh, uh, 42 times in the Bible it refers to Jesus as the Lamb. All but two of those references were written by John. If it hadn't, if it hadn't have been for John, we wouldn't know him as the Lamb. You know, you want to talk about a revelation of how much God loves you? To understand that he was the sacrificial lamb for you. He died to reposition you so that you could have a blessed life. So that your life would be flourishing. So that you'd be above only and not beneath. That you'd be blessed in the city and blessed in the field and blessed coming in and blessed going out. And 
that everything that you touch would prosper. I mean, he, he went to extreme, extreme measures so that you could have a blessed life. Don't let the enemy tell you that you shouldn't be blessed. But it's got to start with obedience. Obedience is the key. Obedience is the key. Your obedience is measurable. Obedience is exciting. Hmm? Come on. I said obedience is exciting. Amen. God loves you. He loves you. Amen. Close your book. Bow your head. Let me pray for you.